our scriptures from 2 Corinthians, which is near the back. It's, it's after 1 Corinthians, if that's helpful. <laughs> uh, we're going to be in chapter 9, uh, verses 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work." Good morning, church. Usually we um, let God set the agenda for us each week as we just preach through a book, passage by passage, chapter by chapter. And then as we go along in our community, we eventually arrive at moments like this where a big event happens in our community, and it's worth slowing down to pause and just going to a part of God's word that applies to the moment that we're in and reflecting and meditating on that part of God's scripture. And that's exactly where we find ourselves this morning. All People's Church, in receiving this building as a gift from Lebanon Church, they have given us their greatest earthly treasure as a community. Something that they've enjoyed and possessed their whole lives, even before they were born, going back generations and generations, and they have graciously handed it off to us. It's a really unusual and a really surprising blessing when we compare it to the world that we live in. It's not so unusual, it's not so surprising when we think of the story of God and the history of God and the story that we come from. Going back to the early church, right, this action of them being generous with us echoes the story of the early church. Going back to the life and ministry of Jesus, he came to earth He started a movement, and part of the center of that movement was supernatural, unexpected generosity. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, you can see that generosity was a part of what Jesus was doing when he came and founded the movement that he began. Going forward then, it's no surprise that when he resurrects from the dead ascends to heaven and pours out his Holy Spirit and starts a church that the author of the book of Acts, Luke, points out multiple times that what characterizes this new community is an unrelenting, supernatural, surprising spirit of generosity. That's what, God, what Luke highlights about this new people of God that the Holy Spirit forms. And then when we get to Paul's missionary journeys, later on, he plants the church of Corinth. And Corinth is a wealthy trade city, and as a result, that church grows wealthy. The church in Jerusalem, the original church that God first planted through his apostles, through persecution and other things, that church grew poor. And they were starving, and they had all sorts of needs. And so what this wealthy church in Corinth did is they are in the process of taking a collection to send a gift to the poor church in Jerusalem to supply their needs. That's why we're going to the letter of 2 Corinthians. And we have the story of one church being generous with another church. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? So let's hop into this text. 
and read what the Apostle Paul has to say about the topic of one church being generous with another and see what it teaches us about God, what it teaches us about ourselves, and what it teaches us about generosity. So let's hop in to verse 6 in chapter 9. The Apostle Paul writes this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Paul boils down his point about generosity to one crystal clear statement. There are two paths any one of us can be on. A path of sowing sparingly or a path of sowing abundantly. Make no mistake, how we use the limited resources that our God has given us to us in this life is a test. And the way that we use our limited abundance and resources right now will determine how much ultimate abundance we enjoy in this life and the next. What you have from God is a test. And how you and I use it reveals our hearts. And how our hearts respond to wealth determines how God treats us in this life and the life to come forever. Now one path is to invest in getting the things that you can see. This is the way that we're wired naturally. And the path to investing in the things that you can see is to hoard things. Right? We try to get as much possessions, as many things as we can possibly lay our hands on. Hoarding. The other way, this is actually a rather new way that we can do that in our culture, is we can finance a lifestyle that we can't afford until we're a slave to debt, and all we're after is whatever we can get our hands on. Now, what's the problem if you look at that verse, if you look at our verse? What's the problem with that lifestyle? What's the biggest problem with that lifestyle? According to the Apostle Paul, that lifestyle aims too low. There's too little of a reward for it. Think about that. As you try to enrich yourself in this life, you're actually robbing yourself in this life and the next life. You end up getting a small reward from God. Question, do you think God is able to give you more or you're able to acquire more for yourself? So if you give up what God could give you to try to get what measly amount you can get in this life, you're robbing yourself and you're aiming too low. That's why it says you're sowing sparingly. It seems like it makes all the sense in the world to get whatever you can, but it actually makes no sense at all because you're giving up what you need most. The other path, the one that we're being invited on this morning, is the path of sowing abundantly. Now, the crazy thing is, is that there is a world coming that we cannot yet see, that when the king returns, he will establish and he will build it, And he will give to his people more wealth and abundance than they could ever imagine. The greatest wealth and abundance being a relationship with him. How do you enlarge your wealth and abundance in the world that you can't see yet? How do you get even more of God? How do you get even more of the rich treasures and possessions that he's going to give us? How do you do that? The counterintuitive way is you give them away in this life. The only things that you get to keep in the world to come are the things that you give away here and now. Right? As you read this verse, this is just an counterintuitive thing. Kelvin says that sowing is costly. 
Right? You're casting wealth, you're casting something, you're casting a resource away from yourself, and you only get it back in the future, and it feels like you're losing something. But ask any farmer, the only thing more costly than sowing seed is not sowing seed. And so though it feels like as you give away things, you're losing in the grand scheme of things, and according to God's generous heart, you're actually gaining And so as a Christian, we're challenged. We're challenged by this text to do something I don't want to do, our flesh doesn't want to do, our world is not wiring us to do, which is to give stuff away. I want to apply this idea to Lebanon Church for a moment. They chose to give us this space. Not sell it, give it to us. Not only did they give it to us, but they chose to give it to a church who is decades younger than them, and as far as I understand, does things quite a bit differently than they do, right? And we don't even necessarily come from the exact same tradition as they do, but we're both Christians, and that's the most important thing. And so in spite of all these things, they decided they wanted to give us this building, which tells me that keeping the status quo And seeking their own comfort was not what they were after. Rather, what they were after is the name of Jesus Christ being worshipped in this place and this community and city being served, which means that instead of their own comfort, they prefer God's glory. This is the kind of sowing that this verse is talking about, and this is the kind of sowing that reaps an abundant reward. So Lebanon Church... I got bad news and good news for you. The bad news is there's not much we can do to pay you back. The good news is God will do more than you could ever imagine and more than we could ever do. He's the one who rewards faithful, a bountiful sowing. Let's keep moving on to the next verse. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The way God treats wealth and money and resources is so different from the way we do and so differently from the way the world does. Like any organization at the end of the year, if they handed you a giving report of what their organization received, it would show the gifts that they received and the total amount of money that they got. How many of you have ever received a giving report or seen a giving report that rated the cheerfulness of the people who gave? Right? Like, if God had a giving report for his church or for us, There there might be the amount that was given, maybe on the far right side in a small number, but on the left-hand column, the big number would be the degree of cheerfulness with which the gifts were given. Now, why is that? Why does God act like that? And the reason is, is that God is not after wealth. God is after worship. If you think about it, he actually doesn't need our wealth at all. Do you know that? God doesn't need your resources. He doesn't need my resources. What he's after is worship. 
And the way that wealth is connected to our worship is that when we give it away cheerfully, it testifies that God is more important than our money and his people are more important than our money. When we hoard it or when we give it away reluctantly or under compulsion, it's as if money had the most value and he did not. And so when we give, God is not as concerned about the dollars. He's not as concerned about the size of the gift. He's first and foremost concerned with the heart. Now, it's my tendency to give reluctantly and under compulsion. Like I, even a couple weeks ago, I gave a gift to someone who asked me for money, and it didn't have the result that I was hoping it would have, and so I find myself being resentful about this gift that I gave. It's my tendency and it's our tendency to give reluctantly and under compulsion. And the reason for that is because when we take faith and we take God out of the picture, in order to give to someone else, we have to diminish ourselves. You have to lose in order to give to someone else. You just, you gave up something that you belong to you in order to enrich someone else. And at the end of the equation, you have less than you had. That's why it's hard to give away. Unless, unless you have faith. And you believe that when you give, in faith, there is a God who's going to reward you more than you ever gave. You see how that changes the equation? When that's the case, giving is no longer losing. Giving is gaining. (laughs) Giving is gaining when you get more of God and more of his rewards when you give in faith. So at the end of the day, When I'm getting something, right, when I'm getting something that I really want and I really desire, it makes me cheerful, (laughs) right? When I hear that I get to go fly to Texas next month and get out of the winter, I get cheerful, right? I'm going to gain something. What's crazy is that when you follow and believe in a limitless, generous God, when you give, you're gaining and you're getting back something more than you can ever obtain any other way. And so what that does is it changes our emotions, That's why Christians can uniquely be cheerful people when they give because they're gaining like no one else is gaining. Because the unlimited generous God that we serve promises that he loves to reward his people for giving. And so what I want to do, I want us to do as a church, as a community, as a person, is to get more happy. I wish that I was more joyful that I get to give offering to my church. That was one of the things that made me happy. Or I get to share my abundance with my neighbor. Or I get to bless this other church in some way. These aren't necessarily the things that make me happiest right now as I go around in life. But if I believe the Lord Jesus, he said it's more happy, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And guess what? He knows everything more than I do. And so I need to grow in happiness in my giving. Now, as I've talked to folks from Lebanon, especially Barb and Jeannie, they keep repeating this phrase to me, what they keep saying to me is, Ross, we made the right decision. That's what they keep saying. And what that's telling me is that in giving us this building, they're not doing it reluctantly, they're not doing it under compulsion, but they're doing it cheerfully. And that's more important to God than giving the building away. That's what matters most to God is that the gift is given cheerfully. The building is less important. The hearts behind the gift are more important. And when I'm in conversation about what happened, I hear joy and I praise God for that. (sighs) 
Now let's move on to our last verse this morning. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's an amazing verse. And what it's saying to us is that if you are a Christian, you have the means to be generous in any and every situation and in any and every relationship that you find yourself in. To be a Christian is to have received grace, which is God's undeserved generosity. And God's undeserved generosity is not a small amount of generosity, is it? No, it is a limitless, abundant, ocean-sized amount of generosity. And if you've received an ocean-sized amount of generosity, then you have so- always have something to give away to someone else, don't you? I mean, let's just look at this verse. If you have trouble believing that, look at this verse and count up the number of times the word all appears in it. Go ahead, right now. Take a look at your Bible and count up how many times the word all appears in this verse. I'm seeing four right now. You have all grace, all sufficiency in all things at all times. Are you starting to get the picture? However you might feel, whatever situation you might be in, what defines your ability to be generous is not your limitations, but the unlimited generosity of your God. Every day, every situation, every moment, he is overflowing in generosity towards you, not so that you can just enjoy it on your own, but so that you can be generous with someone else. You might say to me, Ross, I don't have anything to give. I don't have any money to give. I'm in massive debt. I'm very sick or disabled or something like that is going on that is keeping me from being generous to others. And to you, I would say generosity looks very different for different people, but since we serve the same God, we will always find ways to be generous. There's always opportunities for us to give and to share with others. Just look at the word the verse ends with. It says, so that you might abound in every good work. Does it say so that you might abound in giving large sums of money to people? It's not what it limits generosity towards. That's one important part of generosity, especially for wealthy people. But the most important thing about generosity is not that your generosity looks like this, but that your generosity looks like you using the wiring, gifts, talents, abilities, and grace God has given you to bless whatever person you can in the situation that you're in. There's all sorts of different ways you can be generous. There's all sorts of different ways you can bless people. You have time. You can be a listener. Do you know that there is people who are starving out there to be listened to? You can be generous with your listening. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your talents. There's people who need stuff fixed and they don't know how to fix stuff. There's people who need help budgeting like me and they don't know how to budget. There's people, right, who have all these needs and God's given you particular abilities to be able to bless and help other people. And it's just important for us to pray and ask God, what opportunities, what gifts, what talents have you given me so that I can be generous? And at the end of the day, all of us have an unlimited resource that we can share with anyone. 
Every one of you have an unlimited resource that you can share with anyone at any time, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that God saves sinners. And the way God shares it is through his people opening their mouths and talking about who Jesus is and what he's come to do. And I want to be more generous with that gift. I mean, my God brought me from a place of going to hell to going to heaven to be with him forever. And I need to be generous with that message. I can't hoard that to myself. And so at the very least, church, Lebanon, everyone, you have a message with which you can and must be generous with at all times to all people in all places. That Jesus rescues sinners. Now as we look at that verse... God making all grace abound to us, having all sufficiency at all things, at all times. I wonder if my own lack of generosity and where we can struggle in generosity, if it's not as much a things problem, as in we don't have enough things to give to people, as much as a heart problem. We don't have a heart that wants to give. Which tells me that we need hearts day by day. And there's nothing and no one that gives us a new heart like Jesus and his story. And it brings us back to the last chapter that Paul wrote, chapter 8. I want to quote to you a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And the word grace comes up. This verse, verse 9, chapter 9, verse 8 is about grace. Chapter 8, verse 9 is about grace. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. I think that's probably one of the most beautiful verses I've ever heard. And what that verse does is it anchors us in the story of what Jesus has done for us. And so when we're being generous to other people, it's only in a response who's already been unfathomably, unthinkably generous to us. How much more generous could God have been to us than to become a human being and allow himself to lose everything and to die for us in order so that we might come into a relationship with his father, have our sins forgiven, and enjoy the abundance forever that he alone deserved. He gave everything for us so that he could give everything to us. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that we serve. And as you and as me remind ourselves of that story, crazy stuff starts to happen. We start to do crazy things like give away our wealth, our opportunity, our possessions, our opportunities to other people so that they can know the God who gave everything so that we might have everything. Beautiful story and a beautiful verse. I've been so encouraged as a member of this community, so encouraged to see that acts of generosity are not the exception but the rule of how we have lived. Yes, we can grow. Yes, we must grow. Yes, I must grow. And yes, I have seen abundant examples of generosity that I praise God for. I just think of the time back when I was a bachelor and I wasn't making as much money as I am right now and Tony and Emily Wilson were like, hey, Ross, come live with us. Come live with us 
in this room that's very affordable. And guess what? Why don't you just come have meals with our family? And guess what? Why don't we just invite all the neighbors over and show hospitality and generosity to them, even though they're doing very little to repay us? It's a sweet example of generosity that I praise God for. Just earlier this week, I got lunch with Michael Johnson, a man whose business is flourishing, a man who has extra time in his schedule because his business is doing so well. And he says to me, Ross, I have extra time in my schedule, but rather than growing my business, I'd rather serve this church. Tell me what I can take off your plate. And by the way, guys, who can I meet up with, he said. Who can I meet up with to invest and pour time into? These are just two of, I would say, hundreds, maybe even thousands more examples of generosity that I praise God when I witness. And the reason that I praise God when I witness them is because they make the invisible gospel visible before our eyes. Jesus died and rose in history, but it's something that we can't see anymore. It's something that we can only hear about. But whenever someone is generous because of that gospel, it makes it visible in our community. We are making Jesus visible by the way we live and serve and love one another. And since I love to see Jesus, I love to see you be generous. And if you love to see Jesus and you love to see and you love the other people to see Jesus, the way to show him off is to become generous just like he was generous with you. As we get down to the end of this passage, in verse 15, we're going to skip a lot of verses right now just to go to the end of the passage of verse 15, when Paul's reflecting on the generous heart of the Corinthians. He says, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Their generosity showed the grace and glory of God, and the response, so grace and generosity comes down, goes out, and then thanks and praise goes up to God, And at the end of the day right now, that's my response to the generosity I've seen in this community. Thanks be to God. And Lebanon, when I think of your gift of this church building to our young church, I say, along with everyone in this church community, thanks be to God. We we do say thanks to you. But more than anything, we say thanks be to God. Because he's the one who, who caused this to happen, and we praise him. So thank you. And thank God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you that you were more generous with us than we could ever be on our own, than we could ever ask or imagine. We praise you for your generosity. And then we thank you especially today for Lebanon's generosity. And we ask that they would feel thanked, that they would feel loved, but most of all that they would feel the intimacy with you and the joy in you that comes from giving. You can reward them like no one else can. And I ask that you would. So thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And now be with us, God, as we continue to celebrate what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.